about a year ago as this bearded wonder, and I was like, oh, wow, what do we got here? And uh, I've had a great opportunity to get to know him and kind of speak with him, meet with him, talk with him, uh, talk about past ministry, present ministry, and what's going on, and I am excited for you guys to hear what he's got going and what he's got on his heart. So, Spence, take it away. Right, awesome. Thank you, Jason. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. My, uh, my daughter is in this phase where she'll sit at the breakfast table and she'll say, raise your hand if you like Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> we all raise our hands. So in the spirit of my daughter, raise your hand if you want to worship like these kids up front. And we'll throw. Yeah. See how she, she was up here, did she? <laughs> my name is Sven. And uh, thank you, Pastor Jason, for inviting me to give the Jesus Talk this morning. And uh, I, I got to be a part of EBS last week. And how cool was that? That was pretty crazy. <laughs> and like, it was so loud. And, and like, a good kind of loud that every day on the first hour home, when I brought the kids home, I would say, okay, everybody, we're going to have one hour of quiet time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a... Uh, so worth it. It was it, it was so great. My, I'm a stay-at-home dad, and so that's what I that's what my daily life looks like. So because of that, I was able to go to PBS, which is what a privilege to be a part of something like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, again, my name is Ben. My wife is Amber. She's right here. And, and uh, next week we will have been married 18 years. Wow. Send them back over to the Roman 
um, to the Roman leaders. But this, this would happen a lot in the Roman Empire because they would set up these local governments that would kind of deal with uh, deal with local issues. And if the Roman if the Roman the Roman governing body just didn't really feel like dealing with it that day, they could always just kind of like cart people off. Uh, and so that's where we're at in the book of Acts. Uh, Paul, Paul was, uh, he, had this, he had this amazing ability to just get in front of people and share Jesus, like share the message of Jesus. And sometimes it feels like he had almost a few tricks up his sleeve. Like one of his was, I'm going to preach to as many government officials and people as possible, right? So he would like... He would let himself get carted off to like the local government, and then he would like give a whole sermon to like all the Jewish leaders, and then and then as they were about to like beat him up again, he would say something like, "Oh, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen." And they would go, "What?" <laughs> and so, being a Roman citizen came with all this extra these extra rights. Like you could vote, you could um, you the way they dealt with you was different, and so you you could even say, "I want to plead before Caesar." I want to go all the way to Rome and have my case dealt with because Saul was, Paul was born in Tarsus, so he could do that. And so they would be like, are you serious? We thought we were done with you. And so they would take him off to some other place. And that's where we find him in Acts 23. And uh, that's, we're in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center of Judaism. It's the center of this, of Israel. It's the center of all this. If you, if you read the, the whole Bible, it's, the whole Bible is about this God's relationship with these individuals, this group of people, and it all kind of leads up to Jerusalem. So he's in Jerusalem, and he's before these religious leaders, and in Acts 23, verse 3, uh, he gets up before the Jewish leaders, and, he's, and the religious leaders there in Jerusalem, and he says, I fulfilled all my duty before God. And the high priest Ananias says, hit him in the mouth. And uh, Acts 23 says that Paul said, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Ooh. Whoa, <laughs> whitewashed wall. You read that and you're like, yeah, let's definitely not read that at church. <laughs> like someone's being called whitewashed wall. But then you think, I was thinking about that a little bit. It's just talking to Jason about, you know, different stuff in this, in this chapter. And... Uh, Whitewashed wall. It sounds familiar, right? Jesus talked about, called some people whitewashed tombs. I don't know if you remember that. And and uh, and, and that's the, the Jesus quote right here in uh, in, in our in today's handout. Take a look at it. There it is, right there. He said this. He said, "Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs." <laughs> which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Whoa. Okay, so I want to talk about this whitewashed tomb thing. In fact, that's what I want to name my talk here in the next few minutes, whitewashed tombs. And I was thinking about that as a metaphor. I was thinking about, like, um, like uh, a house that's been abandoned and maybe, like, the utilities aren't being paid for anymore, but somehow, like, the landscaping's being paid for, so, and so, like, the landscaping is just, people keep showing up every week. Landscaping's beautiful. But if you go inside, like, 
people left in a hurry, like the, the refrigerator's open, like there's, there hasn't been electricity there, there's like still dinner from like nine weeks ago sitting on the countertop, and it's just getting moldy. There might even be like a, like a hole in the roof that nobody knew about. It's like right in the middle, so you can't really see it from the street. It's like not hurting the street view. And, uh, and so I was thinking about, could it be, now this is heavy, could it be that maybe my life sometimes could be like that? Like somehow on the exterior, things are looking fine, things are looking good, but could it possibly be that there's maybe like a hint of, of uh, this is heavy, a hint of death inside of me that I've just kind of let, you know, it happens, it happens, I kind of just let it start, let it happen. And, uh, and so I've just been praying through that this week, like, how does that happen? How, how is it that something like that could happen? When we look at the Bible, I want to describe something. Well, let's get our first little blank. So those of you who have that certain personality type that you're not, that you just, you know things are moving along here. Okay. 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 So our first little blank is Jesus wants relationship with everyone. Jesus wants friendship with everyone. Jesus wants a conversation with everyone. Jesus wants a personal journey with every single person on the planet. But Jesus, but God, but God has a very specific way of going about this. God is very personal. And if you look through the entire Bible, uh, starting with, um, of course, with Adam and Eve, but if you jump ahead to Abraham and Sarah, God, God reaches into humanity and chooses Abraham and Sarah and says, I am going through, I'm going to have a real relationship with you. And out of that friendship with you, I'm going to... I'm, there's gonna there's gonna be a way for me to have friendship with everyone, all people, all nations. But sometimes it's and you see this over and over through the Bible, and it's it's kind of counterintuitive, right? And um, because God loves outsiders, right? Like God loves people who are far, far away from everything He calls us to, right? He loves people who are who essentially have chosen to say, God, I want nothing to do with you, and God is still like. I still love you. And, and we hear that. We know that. Um, but again and again, there's this pattern of God approaching the insider first. Because God is so relational. God's so personal. And so um, even in the book of Acts, where, where one, of the, one of the biggest themes in the book of Acts is God loved the outsider too, right? Like Peter's like... And, and the, the term you read in the you read in the book of Acts over and over in is Jew and Gentile. Jew is insider, Gentile is outsider. Jew, uh, the Judean people were everyone related to Abraham and Sarah, everyone who, were, who had chosen to live this life, cho chosen to live by the rules, chosen to learn all the stuff. Um, and the and the Gentiles were just like they didn't know what they didn't know, right? They just, they just were living their life as sincere as can be, but they just didn't understand this whole idea of insider and kind of outsider. And uh, it's super easy to miss the whole point. Second, per, second Peter three nine says, "God doesn't want anybody to perish. God wants to call all people to repentance." But in the Book of Acts. Uh, Paul will be far away 
go into a town and they'll find the local synagogue, they'll find like the people who understand Judaism, and they'll start with them. Um, and Jesus even tells a parable of like of the bridegroom where he says, "I'm I, God, like the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast where like the broad, the 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 wedding party is invited to the wedding, and they're all just kind of like too busy to show up." But, but he did invite them first. And he invites them first, and then and then, he, then nobody wants to show up to the wedding, and then he's just like, well, go like gather up everyone who hasn't eaten any food in a long time, because we have a lot of food at this wedding. And yeah, just, just go down the street. And so God has this pattern of like, of starting where he's at, loving the person in front of him, loving the, and inviting the person in front of him, inviting the insider first, and the outsider last, or next. But, equal, but loving everyone equally. But today I want to talk about, in these next few minutes, how there, and this is our next total blank, sometimes being an insider can be dangerous. And being an insider, like, I don't think anybody wake up, wakes up one day and they just decide, you know, today I want to be a whitewash too. <laughs> Like, you know, like, you know that whitewashed wall thing that's talked about in the scripture? I think that's who I want to be. Like, I don't think it happens that way, right? It's this subtle process where, where just we kind of, we're kind of busy. We have like, and, and there's good stuff going on. And, uh, and we kind of just sign up for achievement. We kind of sign up to, to jump through hoops for the people around us, to meet expectations, to, and and we and we have the intention of I'm gonna yeah my heart's feeling really crusty and in fact it's feeling I, my heart actually feels hardened towards God but I but but I hope that someday I, I'm hopefully in the next couple of weeks I'm gonna get to that I'm gonna I'm gonna like approach God and go God I feel like kind of messed up on the inside but but we kind of just keep going with this external thing we kind of keep moving. Um, and I was trying to imagine these religious leaders as kids, right? Like, uh, mom gives them, like, some loaves and fishes, right? I guess that's what little kids got from their lunches at that time. <laughs> um, and they get sent to, like, Hebrew school or whatever. And they're like, ah, that kid, like, he memorizes Hebrew letters really well. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey. That's all I know, Jewish letters. But, I mean, Hebrew letters. I, I, I memorized it at some point. Um, and they're like, my kid's got this kind of a standout, like, um, we're definitely gonna, there's a possibility he's, he might be like a, like a teacher of the law or a religious leader, like, put him in this group over here. And just over time, uh, it happened. Over, and I, and I, I, wanna, I want all of us to think about the areas of life where we We've kind of, where we've become insiders. And, uh, and what I mean by that is, areas of your life where you've done the work, and like, it, and, there's, and there's no, it's, it's not fake, like you did the real work. And I was thinking about some of those areas of my life. Like, and these are the areas of your life where if someone goes, kind of like acts like you don't know anything about something, and part of you just like almost laughs, and you're kind of like, yeah, right. Do you know who you're talking to? Like, do you do you know? Do you know? 
And uh, I have a few areas in my life like that. So every once in a while, someone will come across me and, and they'll just be like, man, like, I've got to get into jogging, you know? And uh, like, and maybe, uh, do you know anything about jogging? And then a part of me that will be like, oh, that's kind of funny because, because my life story was I was a long distance runner in high school. And, and I'm from Colorado. And in Colorado, I ran uh, 15 minutes and 34 seconds for 5K when I was 17. Wow. At altitude. So I still have one of the faster times in the state of Colorado like that's ever been run for that age group. And I remember my, and I got a full ride scholarship to Colorado State University to run cross country and long distance running. And I remember my freshman year, I went out way too fast in a race. And I'm going through mile one, we're in Minneapolis St. Paul on some golf course running cross country. And I come through the first mile and I look over and it's just me and the Kenyans, and that's never a good sign. <laughs> because I'm a freshman and I'm not gonna win this race. And I look over and it's just me and the Kenyans. And I hear 401, Oof. 402, 403. I'm like, oh! I just ran a mile in 401 and I am going to die. Yes. <laughs> so like, so running is an area of my life where I've paid my dues, right? Like, like I have a history in running. And you might have some areas of your life that are that way. Uh, one other quick one, like in my life, uh, I was, my parents were missionaries in Mexico. And when I was 17, we moved to Fort Collins, Colorado. And so I, I did homeschool in Mexico, and, and I would culturally, in so many ways, I was just kind of out of it. And, uh, but I, you know, just living life, and I would come across people who were just like, dude, you're, you're, you're not, obviously not from Colorado, right? And then, but I learned assimilation from being a missionary kid. Like, I learned how to adjust myself to fit in, like, quick. It was just kind of like something you learned as a missionary kid. And so I went to Fort Collins High School for two years and I did all this different stuff. And then I went to Colorado State University, which is in the same town. And then I, later on, I was a pastor for a decade in uh, right there in that same town in a larger church where like I just poured into that community. And, and, like, and then I remember years later, like after I had been connected to that town for like 25 years, and our town, it kind of got more and more hit every year. It, it was like pretty soon our, our town was like too cool for themselves. Like, and I remember showing up at a restaurant downtown Fort Collins, Colorado, and, and you know, some mid 20 something would kind of like give me some attitude. Like, I mean, they never said this out loud, but I felt it. Like, I don't know if you're kind of dressed appropriately for this hit restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you're Colorado enough
pro mountain bike biker over at Galbraith. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, and just kind of just drop on in, the, in on that and just hit everything. Like, I mean, that must feel pretty good. Or I was thinking, or how about like, if you just opened a successful microbrewery in downtown, <laughs> uh, in downtown Bellingham, and then it went national. Like we had a, we had a microbrewery in Fort Collins that did that, New Belgium Brewery. And it was like, to this day, if you have anything to do with that brewery, you are like above cool in that town. Like you are on the inside. So you know, like, uh, so if Aslan goes worldwide or something, uh, or, you know, what if Woods Coffee became the next Starbucks and it was like, who was in on the ground level of that? Or, you know, or just look other things like, what if you were a University of Western Washington prof? And you just, yeah, I'd live over on that campus. I mean, that's about as Bellingham, Washington as it gets, right? Or uh, maybe you're a local author and you just chill at Village Books. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, or, you know, right here in Sutton Valley, right? What's that little, uh, is it Lake Views, that little newsletter? Yeah. Like, what if, you know, for whatever reason, you've made a lot of money in this life, and somewhere along the way, like, you bought this piece of property that everybody wants to own, right here on Lake Whatcom, and you get a little article about how such a, such a loving family they are, and it's all about lake life. And, uh, and and if you're like that person, you're like, how much more Bellingham can you get? Like they wrote an article. They wrote the Lake Life article about me. Like, uh, like look it up. Google it. Or uh, in any town in the United States, like if you're a school teacher your whole life, and then they finally name an elementary school after you, I feel like that's like the, that's like the top echelon of uh, elementary school world. Well, your next little blank is this. Stay away from the hoopla of Christianity. And Jason, what was the definition of hoopla? <laughs> it was good, I know that. Partaking in the fuss of... Partaking in the fuss of whatever it is. So like jump, the jumping through hoops, the, the meeting of expectations, the, the being cool enough and what's worrisome about Christianity is there really is this, just like everything, right? And, um, but it's not bad, necessarily. Like, uh, God, it isn't like God just wants to love outsiders. God loves insiders, too. And I used to feel bad about that. Like, my dad was a pastor when I was a kid. My grandfather was a pastor. Don't tell anybody, but my grandma was a pastor on the other side. Um, uh, so like, and then my parents were missionaries, and like, and, and I just grew up. I was like the I was the Christian kid who was like in the front row taking notes. Like I, I mean, I was just that way. Like I just in high school I wore a cross like this big, just like just to mess with people. And, uh, but over time you get crusty when you like you do all that right that good stuff. And it's easy to um, it's easy to suddenly let your persona or your your vibe or your 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 resume of these cool things you've done become somehow your identity. Somehow it's somehow it's like, are you good with God? Well, yeah, I'm good with God. But look at look at the timeline. I'm good with God. Like, look how I look. Look how I um, instead of 
oh, Jesus, I want relationship with you. I want, I want conversation with you. I want friendship with you. Achievement, performance, the task. Look at the time and see where I'm at. Like I got seven minutes. Identity wrapped in the, I'm the one who gets stuff done. If you, ever, if you have an area of your life where you're like, I guess I'm going to have to show up. And when you show up, it's like, it's bam. <laughs> and it's like, stuff gets done. Stuff gets organized. Stuff gets achieved. Stuff like things happen when you're there. And it's, it's dangerous to be that person because, uh, because over time, like I said, it, it can get in the way of our, of our relationship with God. And this is one of the sad parts. Matthew 23, 13, Jesus is, is speaking to the religious leaders. And he says, you even shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And all of us have all of us have areas of our life where we've paid our dues. We've jumped through the hoops. And it's just natural to look at the next generation coming up or new people coming in and kind of go, hey, it was hard on me. It's going to be hard on you. Like, I went through healthy. You should go through healthy. Like, this is what it takes. Do you have what it takes? Because I have what it takes. I remember. Um, the train's moving, so let's see if you can catch up. Kind of this, this way, this way it is where, where we just have this tendency <coughs> to want other people to experience the pain we've experienced. And we're like, yeah, being in a new church is hard, so it should probably be hard on you. Like it should be whatever that is. Next fill in the blank. Achievement can keep us from receiving the free gift of God's love. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, and it's a very familiar, familiar story to us. Sometimes it's called the lost son. And, but really, truthfully, it's about two lost sons. One son does everything wrong. And that's usually the one that gets focused on when you hear this story. But um, the other son did absolutely everything right. And both of them were missing out on the love of the father. Both of them... One was doing everything wrong, and God loves that person. But one person was doing everything right, and somehow doing everything right had gotten this son. And if you read it in um, he's in uh, Luke 15, he you realize just by his tone of voice and what he says, he, he's even though the the younger son did everything wrong and ran away and lived this crazy life apart from the father. The older son, deep down inside, <coughs> wished he would have. He wished he Like, he had the resume. He had the, he had the look, look. I mean, I'm the one who stuck around. Like, I'm the stick around guy. Like, I'm the faithful guy. But somehow, in all of this faithfulness, and all of this stick aroundness, he just, he, he, he missed out on the love of the Father. And re I really believe that Jesus' heart, um, is for the outsider, is for the people far, far away who, who would easily admit, yeah, I've messed up a ton. Uh, but Jesus is also for the insider. It's for the people who, who are like the older brother, who, who met the expectations, who, who somehow, somehow 
kept their, kept the whole exterior of their of their life looking good all the way through. And then somehow there's this this hint, this this little twinge of of hurt, this of death um, inside. And what's beautiful about Jesus is Jesus never leaves us there. Like, um, the religious leaders, the reason God, the reason Jesus went so hard on them was because he loved them so much. If, if uh, that little kid with his fishes and loaves that was going to grow up to be a religious leader someday, um, probably straight A student, right? Uh, if you, how do you get the, how do you get the attention of a straight A student? Do you say, "Wow, you do so great in school, and you have so much potential"? That's just like they don't even hear you. They're like, "Yeah, that's what everybody says." Like, uh, you, you want to know how you get their attention? You say, you say, um, "Man, you are an amazing test taker, but I really care about you." And I really hope that you're learning how to learn because life changes so much and there's no way you can possibly prepare, prepare for this life. And you said, so you you've got to learn. So what you're learning in school right here is learning how to learn because you will never be properly prepared if you just are a good test taker. You've got to learn how to learn and I, I want to help you and you can do this because otherwise there's no way you're going to be ready for the future. That's when the straight A student goes, huh? Right? And so that's what Jesus is doing, right? He's, he's saying, hey, religious leaders, people who have it all right, I want to get your attention. I'm going to go heavy on you. I'm going to call you whitewashed wall. I'm going to, I'm going to, that's what Paul might, may have been doing right here. I'm going to call you, <laughs> you know, yeah, he was the one who said whitewashed wall. Jesus is the one who said whitewashed tomb. I'm going to go heavy. I'm going to say the heavy thing. But Jesus isn't about saying, just about saying the heavy thing. He isn't just about leaving us there. He wants to just meet us, even this morning. And so, um, I just want to end prayerfully, even in my own heart, and just asking God, like, God, where, where, where are the parts of my heart where really I, I'm not so close to you, even though I'm, it seems that I'm close to you in so many ways. Jesus, I know you've given me the deepest desires of my heart. You've given me the deepest longings of my heart. How can I give that to you, Jesus? <clears throat> All right, here's the crazy one. How can I change my life to be a little less impressive in the eyes of people in order to be a little more impressive in your eyes, God? Like how, how could I jump through a few less hoops, a little less hoopla, a little less cool Christian person in order to really connect with Jesus and have that conversation of, here I am, God, I'm not, I'm not really that impressive today. And then your insider status, your insider ability becomes an opportunity for compassion. So I worked in a big church for a long time. And so I, like, Sometimes I, I, I look at people who work in churches and a part of me can go one way when I think about them, but the beautiful part of having that insider story, of, of having that personal history in my life, is I have this opportunity for compassion. Because I know all over Bellingham, Washington, there are these Christian leaders who wake up Sunday morning with this horrible feeling in the pit of their stomach. 
that maybe they're, the, they're all alone. Like maybe they're the last person who gives a rip on the planet. And, and when we say it out loud, it's like, it's, it's obviously not true, right? But because of my personal experience, because of my insider life on that particular thing, I'm able to look to Jesus and go, feel compassion for all those leaders all over Bellingham, all over Washington. And so sometimes early in the morning, on a Sunday morning, I'm just like, oh, God, I pray for pastors. Like, don't let them feel alone this morning. Like some random church where like nobody goes, and then it just feels like they're just doing everything wrong. Or some church where it seems like they do everything right. Just whoever they are, God, and I'm able to pray for them in a special way, right? And all of you guys have areas of your life where because of your insider story, because of the dues you've paid, because of your life, you have this, you have this opportunity for compassion. You have this opportunity to see with the eyes of Jesus the way only Jesus could see. And Jesus sees you right now. He sees me. And he loves you. He sees you. He sees your efforts. He sees, he sees what breaks your heart. And so let's pray. And uh, as I pray, I just want, and as we move into worship in those last minutes, um, I just want you to think about, like, who are, what are some of the ways? What are some of the ways um, God's calling you, calling you back to his heart? Like, what are some of the ways God's calling you to be a little less impressive? What are some of the ways God's calling you to just be a little more real? What are some of the ways God's calling you to welcome people who don't quite meet your expectations, who, don't, who haven't jumped through the hoops that you've jumped through? And let's pray. Jesus, here we are. And as we worship, we just surrender to you. We say yes to you. Those parts of our life where we've done everything wrong, but crazy enough, also those parts of our life where we've done everything right. And Jesus, we surrender all of it to you. Not just our sin or like our, our, mess, our mess ups and our mistakes. Jesus, we surrender our resume to you. We surrender the good stuff to you. We say, Jesus, please take it back. If you want to give it back, give it back. But Jesus, we just give it to you. We say, you take it, Jesus. It's yours to have. It's not mine to control. It's yours to have. We love you, Jesus. Meet us, God. Meet us in the busyness of our lives. Meet us in the areas of our life where, where, we, where we just held on so tightly to make it right, to get it done. Jesus, we give it to you. You're the one who gets stuff done. Jesus, you're the one that, that, that takes control. You're the one, you're the one, it's a, you're the one that has to get it done. Please, Jesus, do that in every area of our church. Do that with the kids. Do that in our worship. Do that with our leadership. Do that in Southern Valley, God. Impossible, polarized community where only you can get it done, God. Please, Jesus, you have to meet us. Be the miraculous God that you are. Be, be the miracle Jesus that you are. Bring the miracle to us, God. We need you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.